the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. You are listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. What a beautiful afternoon, huh? Looks like we have a nice night ahead. Might get a shower in a couple of spots, but overall, pleasant evening. Uh, low down to around 52. Tomorrow, might have a shower to start things off and then some sunshine the rest of the day. High around 73. Phillies lost last night 6-1 to the Brewers at the ballpark. They'll try it again tonight, 7:05. Jake Arrieta on the mound for the Phillies. I had a chance to go down to the ballpark last night, and I'm of the belief that, yeah, it's nice to win the game and you do keep score and all that, and I'll be as excited as the next person if the Phillies wind up you know, winning the World Series and all that at some point in the near future or down the road. But there's also you know stories within stories. I think just going to a ball game with a friend or your dad or whatever it might be is worth it just to have a nice time together. And sometimes there are other things going on, like last night, uh, there was a guy on the uh, other team, on Milwaukee, their second baseman, Keston Hura, who, it was his first game ever. And I got a chance to talk to him after the game. But before that, I don't know if you saw, the uh, Bryce Harper, Philly's $330 million man, wound up crashing into the right field uh, foul wall, not once, but twice, Chasing down and successfully catching uh, the the ball in the same inning. Uh, the first time looked especially bad. He tried to get up a couple of times, fell back down to the ground, and everyone's thinking, oh, man. Especially because the Phillies were trailing uh, quite you know badly at the time and thinking, yeah, you want your players to play hard, but at what cost? You know, maybe save that. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't crash into a wall when we're losing by five runs anyway. And... Uh, Gabe Kapler came out, uh, the, the, coming out to check him out in right field because he really wasn't getting up. Harper was, and uh, Harper talked about that. Wanted me to be smart, of course, and uh, not push it if it, uh, if it was painful or anything like that. I think there was so much adrenaline right there in that in that situation where uh, I didn't really feel it uh, in the instant, and felt like I was, you know, he made sure that I was trying to be, you know, smart with that and cautious about it. Um, so I felt fine in, in the moment, and then uh, kind of the dugout felt fine as well. So um, thought I could play through it and. Yeah, I did. Yeah, so Harper stayed in the game, and then Harper was asked about the fact that, you know, he's played in all of the Phillies games this year, and he personally is not doing that well, although the team is in first place, and the question is posed, is it maybe time to just, you know, take a day off and, and catch your breath? Yeah, I like to play. I like to be out there, um, be in the lineup for my guys and things like that. So, you know, sliding into a wall and you know, making a play like that, uh, you know, jam my knee up. But uh, we'll see how I feel tomorrow. I think I need a day, then uh, you know, I'll talk to him and you know, see what he says. It's Bryce Harper of the Phillies, and then uh, he went on to kind of elaborate again on the concept of taking a day off, and maybe would that be helpful to him and, and the team? Just got to keep going. Uh, you know, I think 
you know, I went through it a little bit last year in that first half. And, of course, you never want to struggle or go through it or anything like that. i got to be better. You know, flat out, i got to be better. Got to get out there and, you know, keep playing, keep going about it the right way. And, you know, hopefully good things will happen and, you know, just try to keep that positive mindset. One good thing about being a ball player is there's always uh, pretty much always a game 24 hours later. You shake uh, whatever performance you had, good or bad, and you move along. Uh, and uh, Bryce Harper talking about that there on the mound. One of their young pitchers, Jared Eikhoff, and he's had a pretty good year, but last night, not such a good game. It was kind of good, though, to hear uh, him. He was asked after the game, did you, uh, you know, easier said than done, but is it basically just a matter of turn the page, move on, get ready for the next uh, event? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of think about this one, think about things I could have done differently, uh, hone in on a little thing or little thought processes maybe throughout the start. But, yeah, tomorrow's a new day. I'm going to get back to work like I always have and know know how to do and uh you know get ready for the next one it is easy right in life when things are going well just to be smiles and, and move along when you hit a, a wall like jared did last night eikhoff did uh, not pitching well to be mopey and uh it was good to see that his his demeanor was not that way phil's again playing again at the ballpark tonight at uh, 705 jake Arietta on the mound for the phil's now across the hallway after a chance to, uh, had a chance to talk to uh, these uh, those guys, Harper and Eikhoff, as well as manager Gabe Kapler, uh, zeroed in on this guy. His name is Keston Hura, and if you've never heard of him, you're not alone. I've never heard of him either. He's a second baseman from Milwaukee, and I want to um, ex- expound on this and go kind of this direction with our program as we roll along here. But it was his first game ever, and in his first at-bat ever, he gets a hit. And In fact, I think it was off uh, Phillies pitcher Eikhoff's rear end and it wound up ricocheting down to third base. And so the reporters were asking a little bit about what was it like for you? Were you nervous? This is, you know, you're in the big leagues now. And, and here are a couple of things about what uh, this gentleman had to say. It wasn't more of nerves. It was more of just soaking in the moment. You know, lights are brighter, green, grass is greener, uh, dirt is nicer. So everything just kind of stands out to you and just really soaking it all in. So it hasn't really hit me yet. I'm quite sure it will sometime soon, but, you know, I'm happy with, Everything uh, has gone by today, and I'm going to enjoy the rest of the night with uh, some, some of my family. His name is, again, Keston Hurra, the second baseman from Milwaukee. Talked a little bit further about the experience. I, mean, I guess it was more of not even you know the first hit. It was more of just going out on defense and then looking around. You see everyone, all, all the fans, all uh, all the players. Um, you see players that you know you watch on TV saying hi to you at second base, congratulating you. So, uh, you know, those were all um, incredible moments of, of tonight, and, Oh, celebration was great. It, really, really cold uh, ice bath, for you, uh, you could say, but uh, um, it was worth it. Um, it it's kind of cool to, to see all the guys supporting you and um, you know, wishing you the best and uh, you know, looking to, to get many more wins with them and many more ice baths. So, um, you know, you can enjoy the night. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, it is nice to, to get it out um, with the first at bat, but at that moment it wasn't more of I was kind of like pressing to get a hit or anything it just um I was actually more scared that uh <laughs> ball was gonna ricochet and get thrown out at first base I felt my feet felt so heavy running to first base I'm like I'm so slow right now but <laughs> but yeah I mean incredible incredible feeling um getting to first base you know Subaru congratulating me Reese Austin congratulating me so definitely um Something to remember. That's uh, Keston Hurra, the second baseman for the Milwaukee Brewers. Last night, his very first major league game gets a hit in his first at bat. 
And it kind of cool even when he shared about the Phillies first base and Reese Hoskins congratulating him. You ever wonder what the players are talking about if you watch him on TV? And, you know, the, it's neat to know that the Phillies' own players are aware of, hey, this is this kid's first game up. I remember what mine was like. And uh, I had a chance after the reporters had been talking with this gentleman to also talk to him. And the reason why this I feel passionate about is I have kids who have played ball. And I know a lot of our listeners have been involved in some level or maybe coached their kids. My son, Toby, specifically, actually grew into a really nice ball player and had a, a, a five-year run where he played travel. He was an all-star each year. But he wound up stopping when he was 16 or 17, and the Lord led him to do other things. So I always find it interesting when you see, if you've followed or gone to Little League games, you know there can be a lot of really good, talented young kids when they're 12, 13, 14, some real standout players. And then, you know, some of those kids can be in the major leagues five to six years later. But others will peter out for different reasons. It might be something like uh, they chose a different sport. They might want to shift to making money instead or get a job, buy a car. It could be you know, a, a little lady's got their eye and they, they start getting more interested in dating, perhaps, or all of the above. Different reasons. So I asked uh, Keston Hura, the second baseman from Milwaukee, about that. Um, if it was any, anything had to do with him, uh, perhaps um, – uh, stepping away and, and, and thinking, you know, when did he first think he could actually make a run at this? And, and, uh, and so anyway, he talked about that just for a moment. Uh, I mean, when I was young, you know, I played sports growing up, every sport, baseball, basketball, soccer, football, um, golf, and, um, and I just enjoy being competitive out on the field and mainly stuck with baseball and basketball. And then once high school hit, kind of said, all right, I'm not 6'5", so it's been a little tough to play some basketball. So, uh, But I was always better at baseball than any other sport, so stuck with that, put all my focus towards in high school. And then I would say it wasn't until probably, i say Team USA, when I got asked to, to be on that team in college. Um, that's when I really kind of hit me where, I, okay, um, now I'm going to be able to possibly complete, compete at the next level and um, continue my career and, and all that. So I think... Around that time was when I really kind of locked in, like, like, dang, it's, this can become a reality. Uh, so that was my sophomore or junior year of college uh, when I did Team USA. It's 2016, I believe. So I was, what is that, uh, 20? Yeah, so he's 23 now, and so that's the path. And just one other quick clip, uh, just from a parental perspective, appreciating uh, his parents being at the game last night to see this all unfold. They told me that they landed around 5, I believe. So they were able to make the game. And then, honestly, I had no idea where they were sitting. So I think it would have been uh, where's Waldo if I tried looking in the stands trying to find them. So I just uh, kind of just waited till after the game and then um, found out they were actually sitting kind of like behind home plate. Um, so I kind of wish I knew that. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm so glad that they're here. And, you know, they've been by my side supporting me my whole life. And um, you wouldn't want to spend, you know, this night with anyone else. Yeah, so Keston Hura, second baseman from the Milwaukee Brewers. It's all last night. You may have never heard of him, very likely not have heard of him. I know I had not. Maybe he'll turn into something really special and become a famous Hall of Fame player. Maybe he'll play in only a year or two or whatever it might be. But a lot of elements and storylines in that, including the fact his mom and dad got to see this culmination of this all these years of playing and all the work that went into it. And what I wanted to do with today's program is open our phone lines up at 800-560-WFIL, 800-560-9345, and invite you to call if you would like to share the first time you achieved or experienced a certain thing that you had been working toward. Now, it does not have to be something as long as this. This is a 15-year probably process 
for this gentleman to have gone from Little League all the way through college and uh, making the major leagues. But it might be something shorter that just it was a training period you went through. Then uh, I'm thinking things maybe somewhere in the middle. Perhaps you went to college to or you went to school to be a lawyer. And then what was it like to get in the, in the courtroom for the first time? And you have there's there's a real judge over there and there's a real jury over there. Or perhaps you're a doctor and, okay, now they told me how to do this surgery, but this is my first patient I'm actually going to be operating on or even just seeing a patient in your in your office. What was it like the first time perhaps you're a home builder and you're being entrusted to put this whole thing together? You don't want to step back from it and you're halfway through like, uh, oh, I forgot something. You know, so what was it like? Because it's one thing to learn. It's another thing to do. And whatever aspect, or maybe you went to seminary and perhaps you're a pastor and the first time you got up in front of the congregation, you're like, I'm preaching a sermon now and this is it. This is the real deal. So 800-560-WFIL is our number. 800-560-9345. would love to hear stories from you along these lines. The first time you achieved or experienced a certain thing, this is not about the first time you had banana ice cream. I remember it was really good. Like, <laughs> that's lovely too. But we're talking a little bit more of a, of a process that you went under and, and, and whatever that experience was like. Wonderful, scary, nervous, all of the above. 800-560-9345. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. It's The Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. 417, Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. 800-560-WFIL is our number, 800-560-9345. Taking calls today on the first time you ever did whatever it was you were planning to do, and then you got there and, wow, you're finally here. We talked about a ball player from the Milwaukee Brewers who made his debut in the Phillies game last night, actually got a hit in his very first at bat. He shared about his parents being there, shared about looking around and said the grass is greener, the dirt's that much, you know, better looking and the whole thing's like, wow, take that all in after 15 years of playing ball since you're a kid. And your story might be a long journey and you finally got to something or it might be something a lot shorter. I'll give you an example. Uh, I did some ride sharing for a while. I've shared before for Lyft and for Uber. I did about for nine months. I did not study in terms of going to school for it. I did not plan on doing that. It was between kind of some jobs and stuff. And I actually loved it. It's one of the most fascinating things I've ever done. Uh, but there was some prep involved. I went to their site. There are some short videos. They give you to train and give you little quizzes on to make sure that you have the basics down. And uh, then I also talked to my friend Daniel for 30 or 45 minutes, asked him a lot of questions so I could be as prepared as I could be. And then I picked a Saturday to make sure, you know, I'm going to be able to space the rides out, take a ride, stop, take another ride, stop. I didn't want to put myself uh, in the mix starting at like night on a weeknight where that just the whole nighttime would be another wild card to, to throw in the mix when you're first starting out. So it was a Saturday morning. I picked up a young couple. They were in a little apartment building, and they were headed to Walmart. Nice and basic, simple enough. I told them it was my first ever ride. Lyft, I think one of the things they advise you to do is when it's your first day or you're just starting, let the passengers know so they can give you that grace on the front end and be aware in case you make some mistakes or whatever. So uh, they said they want to go to Walmart. I was familiar with the area. I started driving toward the closest Walmart. I wasn't even looking at the app for directions. What The way it works is the people you're picking up put in their destination. So when you get there, after you've started the ride, it, it then gives you through GPS where you're going. 
Well, I, I didn't even think to look at the app. I'm like, well, Walmart's only a mile from here. So I started driving. I'm on the way, and the girl goes, um, we're going the wrong direction. <laughs> this is my first ride, and I'm already messing it up. Turns out they wanted to go to a different Walmart about four miles away, at which I never would have crossed my mind. I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry. And they were nice about it, but I was like, why do you want to go all the way over there? I said, well, that Walmart has bigger aisles. It's easier to shop. Well, okay. All right. Lesson learned. So, of course, and part of these first-time stories, if you do something long enough, then you take mental notes and you're a lot different down the road than you are when you first start something. And I wound up doing, uh, I think, 2,500 rides. And there are plenty of stories I could tell you from, uh, you know, but that was the ver- the very first ride. You know, all, all the prep I had done, still the first ride, there was something I did just I defaulted to what I what I thought made sense. And so I learned, don't do that. Don't fall into a, a habit of just driving the path you're used to driving. You got to make sure, look at the app and see where the app is directing you. So that's one example. I'll give you another quick example. This is something a little bigger that matches kind of the uh, baseball example I gave at the beginning. And if you'd like to call in and share your story, 800-560-WFIL is the number, 800 560 Nine three four five. It doesn't have. It could be funny. It could be just you were satisfied. You finally got to something, or it could be any any emotion you were feeling at the time. I know when I had my first opportunity to do radio, top forty radio. I worked near State College. Uh, I went to Penn State, and there was a top forty station in town. And I had worked in Christian radio prior, and that was good. Uh, but I was excited to work for this top forty station for a while. I was. I remember my first air shift coming up. And I remember it was a Sunday night. I remember being very nervous, but very excited. And keep in mind, this kind of station, there are lasers in the background. There's an intense music happening, and it's a high-energy situation. So, and I still have the tape of this somewhere. I don't know where it is. I'd love to have played it for you. But uh, there were, I remember there being pauses in my speech because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at all this equipment and what button I'm going to hit next. And I was over-enunciating, you know, buying time for my next words because I was trying to think, what am I supposed to say next? And my delivery was very up, very high like this or something like, and I remember my program director at the time, his name is Jim Richards. Um, he believed in me and I'm thankful. This is kind of after the fact, but uh, there was a gentleman named John Roberts and John Roberts was a programmer in Philadelphia for years, including with Q102. He was a consultant for them. And he was our consultant. We paid him to tell us what he thought about us. So my boss came to me and he says, John Roberts um, thinks you're a little too intense. <laughs> and uh, But I told him you're going to be okay because I see you have a good work ethic. Give it time. It's going to be good. And the next time he sent, my, my boss sent uh, what they call an air check to this guy, John Roberts. John's like, oh, he's much better. He learned how to calm down. He learned how to pace himself better. And... Uh, and so to this day, I'm thankful that my boss, Jim Richards, was, you know, he saw the good in me and he, he saw the work that needed to be done and he coached me through it and taught me. So, I, again, I can remember the very first day, lessons learned since then, and that was 1990. So that was 29 years ago. And I'd only started, I'd done a little part-time Christian radio in 1988. So it's been like 30 plus years of doing this. But if you look back and you think the first time you did that or the first time Whatever your profession you might be in, maybe you're a teacher in the first class you ever taught. What was it like for you? So 800-560-WFIL, if you'd like to share your story, we'd love to hear from you. 
9345. We'll take a short break. We also have a little guest going to check in, one of our regulars who has uh, called in before. His name is Jay Jackson. He's lead singer of the Christian parody band Apologetics, and he'll join us for a couple of minutes to talk about their first uh, really big concert. It's one thing to play for a small group. It's another thing to be in front of lots and lots of people. 800-560-9345. Feel free to give a call. Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. On AM560 WFIL, it's the Tim DeMoss Show. It's party time! P-A-R-T. Why? Because I gotta... AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. It's apologetics and take off on the Beatles. Try my car. Instead of drive my car. I'm going to be bringing in Jay Jackson, lead singer of Apologetics, here in just a moment or two. Uh, want to, in fact, let's just do that right now, shall we? I think we shall. Hello, my friend. How you doing, Jay? I'm doing great, Tim. How are you doing? I'm good. What CD is that from, or is it on more than one? It's on more than one. It was originally on our Future Tent CD back in 2008, and then it's it's on our Classics Christmas uh, CD. Okay. Um, I think is yeah. Last time we talked, you had 52 CDs out, was it? And you're working on 53 now? No, we had 53 last time, and we just put out our 54th and working on 55 now. Man, I can't keep up with you. You guys are, like, really prolific. You've been doing this. Well, it helps when somebody else is writing the music, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, I guess. Jay Jackson's uh, been a guest of ours a number of times on our fine broadcast, and I Apologetics is, you know, birthed out of Bible study, really. Uh, you didn't set out to be a rock band, per se, but the Lord uh, took you that direction. And on today's program, we've been talking a little bit about how, uh, you know, what's it like the first time you've, you've been pursuing something, perhaps, and, and, and the music did become part of what you were doing over time. What's it like as the path unfolded? And sometimes there's, there's a big experience. Like last night, I was at the Phillies game, Phillies one six one. Uh, lost six one, I should say, and there's a second baseman for the Milwaukee Brewers, and his name is uh, uh, Keston Hura. Never played the majors before. Very first game. Uh, in fact, if you're just listening for a second, this is what he had to say about you know, are you nervous? Were you nervous tonight or whatever? He got a hit in his first at bat. Here's what he had to say. It wasn't more of nerves. It was more of just soaking in the moment. You know, lights are brighter, green, grass is greener, uh, dirt is nicer, so everything just kind of stands out to you and just really soaking it all in. So. It hasn't really hit me yet. I'm quite sure it will sometime soon, but you know, I'm happy with everything uh, that's gone by today, and I'm going to enjoy the rest of the night with uh, some, some of my family. And then speaking of family, one of the beautiful moments was he, afterwards he just talked a little bit about the fact that his parents were able to be in attendance. They told me that they landed around 5, I believe, so they were able to make the game. And then, honestly, I had no idea where they were sitting, so I, I think it would have been uh, Where's Waldo if I tried looking in the stands trying to find them, so I just... Uh, I kind of just waited until after the game and then um, found out they were actually sitting kind of like behind home plate. Um, so I kind of wish I knew that. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that they're here. And, you know, they've been 
by my side supporting me my whole life and um we wouldn't want to spend you know this night with anyone else so here is 23 years old i think he is and he's been playing ball you know, 15 years so it's pretty special as a parent i'm sure to finally watch your son make the the major leagues last night one of the storylines feels lose 6-1 uh, that happens uh, but then of course it's a fun story to hear uh, this guy uh, keston here and his you know who knows where he'll go from here he got a second hit later in the game got a walk and uh, and all that, but um, it made me think a little bit about milestones people have had in their lives. The first time I was on the radio, the first time uh, Joe, Joe and I were talking about this off the air, Jay, and I was thinking about, uh, you know, I've been doing music radio for a lot of years, and I'm thinking, I was thinking of you, and I was like, I wonder, what's the first time you guys had this, like a like a concert that really stood out to you, where like, whoa, this is this is big, this is bigger than I've I've ever done before, or uh, you remember much about that path for you? Because, again, you started with Bible study, and then the, then the music came from that. So it wasn't like you went to school to be a musician, to build a, a big following, per se. Had, talk, share about that, if you would. Sure. Uh, three three events stick out. Tim. Um, first is the first band I ever joined. It was in my senior year in high school, and nobody knew I could sing. Some guys in art class had heard that I could and I got up my nerve, and I just got into my glasses, so I was very in contact. I got the, the lead role on the senior musical that, that same week, and that Saturday they had a, a big coffee house thing for the, for the high school, and we got up and we sang these, these songs, and the girls and the, guy, the guys, too, but the girls went crazy. And I've never had that experience in my entire life. And I used to have a cassette tape of it, Tim, and all you could hear was like listening to the Beatles at Shea Stadium. All you could hear was just screaming, and you could hear swing of the bass, and the guitars, it was the most heady experience I'd ever had. But then I became, you know, I was in bands and tried to pursue that. Nothing ever came of it. I become a born-again Christian. I set aside all that. Suddenly, it's now it's 10 years later, we're playing our first concert out of a place called the Paradise Club, Christian Coffee House. I don't know how well it's going to go over. Um, but they have a full house there. We've invited everybody we know, plus they have all their regulars. And the people went nuts over it. It just went, and the manager went crazy over it. It was fantastic. It was one of the most exciting experiences for me. And I remember going up, because I lived in Pittsburgh in the city on Mount Washington, which is, you know, the they show the views of the, the city. It's from Mount Washington, the big, where the inclines go up there. And I remember standing out on the incline with another person who was at the thing, somebody I'd known from college, and just like trying to take it all in, in and say, wow, this is incredible. And there were probably like 80 people there, Tim, but it seems like the whole the whole world has been there. And I remember the following week um, driving across one of the bridges there, and this, the Simon and Garfunkel song Bridge Over Troubled Water was over. And I, I like Simon and Garfunkel a lot, but that song has never been one of my favorites. But somehow, as I was driving over it, the line came on where he says, sail on, silver girl, sail on by, your time has come to shine. All your dreams are on their way. And I'm getting goosebumps as I'm saying this. That line, it was like, you know, when they talk about, like, God's picking a line out of, some people call it a rhema, picking the, the line out of Scripture that just speaks to you. It was like that line out of was like, God was speaking to me, like, all your dreams are on their way. And that was 27 years ago. And 20 years ago, this week, was another huge moment like that. And that was, um, we played at a Christian festival out in, Rockford, Illinois. It was as far west as the band had ever played. We played in a few other states, but this was, and it was a big deal because Petro was headlining, and I think we were like sixth or seventh on the bill, and that means you're playing earlier in the set. Right. And, uh, and, and we played there, 
And it was one of the only times I've ever played a festival where they said, can you do more? Because the next act couldn't come on. So we, we played, and the people <laughs> just loved They loved it. It just went over phenomenally. And it just so happened that is exactly when the newspaper was there, when all the coverage was there. Afterwards, there was a line, and I'm not exaggerating, for about two hours of people waiting for autographs, buying our CDs, and, um, and, the, and the next day. <laughs> It just went over so, so well. And, and the next day, as we're getting ready to, to go home, to drive back from Rockford, Illinois, which is up, it's about an hour from Chicago, we, we, it's the second biggest city there. I, I just happened to go past, it was a Burger King, I just happened to go past the, um, the newspaper machine. And I used to be a reporter, too, so I never expected to see this. And someone told me, take a look. And I looked, and standing out from the newspaper machine was a big picture of me and our league guitarist. We were on the front page, this big full-color photo, and on the inside, there were all these photos from the concert, and a lot of them, like an overwhelming amount of them, had us in them. And, uh, and our, our drummer, who was filling in for us, Keith Harold, who, who just died last summer, sadly, but Keith was worked for Word Records. He'd been working for him for 20 years. Yeah. He's a big-time guy. And he said, he said um, this changes everything. And and he, he, did, you know, he, he still considered himself a... You know, he was a helper to us, like a mentor. He was filling in for us. He wasn't, like, trying to hitch, hitch, hitch a ride on our coattails. He right. said, you need to start contacting festivals. And uh, and he was connected with a few of them. And we did. And we contacted Kingdom Bound that summer, which was a huge one in New York. And um, and what happened is their, their their promoter, the guy who was in charge of it, a big-time guy, Frank Santa, called me up. And he said, he said, hey, Jay, he says, uh, oh, oh, so what we did is we had all our fans right letters to creation and kingdom bound and the festival and 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 fred Costello calls me he said jimmy i'm sitting in my office and it's full of letters from these fans <laughs> he said six past mountain richard just had their big number two hit with kiss me okay and he said hey jay uh six pence cancel out on me they cancel out on me because they're going to go on the david letterman show or the tonight show he says he says how'd you like to come and play instead he says but you gotta do me a favor he says six pence mountain richard <laughs> I want you to write a parody. I want you to parody Kiss Me. I want you to call it Diss Me, because they just dissed me. Like, <laughs> out. He had a great sense of humor. And Fred, Fred's a busy guy. And, and, so, and so anyway, we, we, we talked, and then I, I hung up the phone, and I felt like God had put on my heart. You should have asked to pray with him. Call him back. And Fred, I'm thinking, this guy's really important. He's great. I'm just going to be bothered, but I, in obedience, I called back. I said, Fred, I said, can I? And I put it for you. He said, "I'd love that." And and it just like it 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 was it was something that I was afraid to do, you know. But it was the best thing. And he says, "I've been having trouble with this, this, like some help and stuff." And Fred's will not with us either now. Mm-hmm. But it just opened things up. And we played at that festival like five times. It just opened us up to Canada, New York, and those are those were heady experiences. God's done many things over the years, uh, but those were some of the most incredible early ones. Yes. Amen. Wow, that's quite a run. Oh, that's a lot of story you just packed into a few minutes. Jay Jackson, the lead singer and lyricist for Apologetics at Christian Parody Band, 54 CDs and counting. If you want to look them up, it's A-P-O-L-O-G-E-T-I-X. Everything from Elvis to Eminem and Backstreet Boys and all the other Beach Boys. And how many other boys are there? There's the Beastie Boys. Yeah, <laughs> those two. 
And, uh, yeah, look him up. Jay's a good friend for years and has played uh, with our radio stations, for example, over at Six Flags, the Rejoice Festival in the 2000s, and done concerts with us, done events with us at the Phillies. And so uh, as we talked a little bit today about about these things, we wanted to have Jay's take on it. That's great stuff, man, and it's great to hear your voice, and, and thanks for testifying also to God's goodness and his faithfulness over the years as you look back and see those things that he orchestrated. Thanks. Uh, it's great to hear your voice, too, though. I'm still not sure it's not... I get people. I I, do, I have people at the supermarket literally say, "Hey, say something." What do you mean, say something? Just say something, and I'll say something. They're like, you sound like that guy, Norm McDonald. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's happened multiple times, like total strangers. Like, what? Are, I don't know. They must have overheard me say something to my wife or whatever, and then they want me to. Just, keep talking for a little bit so that's funny you remember you that you ought to be able to do colonel sanders then too because i think he was the guy who did the, the first uh, new colonel sanders that's so, true you know maybe you'll be dancing with us <laughs> wherever i can pick up some extra scratch is a good idea well thank you my okay. friend god bless you greetings thanks, to your family hey god bless you and a very large family also. amen thanks again jay jackson lead singer of apologetics find out more about their music at a-p-o-l-o-g-e-t-i-x apologetics Dot com is their website. What's the first time you achieved or maybe got to a certain point and experienced something maybe you'd been training for for a while? Could be you were a teacher, you went to college, and then the first day in the school, in the classroom, or the first day you were, you know, maybe you studied to be a doctor, and the first day you took patients or did it for your first surgery. Just to share that experience, we're piggybacking off a ball player I had a chance to talk with at the at the uh, ballpark last night from the Milwaukee Brewers. His name is uh, Kasten Hura. And he was just sharing simply it was his first game ever in the major leagues. He now has a batting average. He got a hit in his first at bat. His parents were there. 15, 18 years of playing baseball culminating in, wow. So it's fun just to, you know, that's that's on that stage. Who knows what will go where it will go from here. But if you have a story you'd like to share, whatever it might be, we'd love to hear from you at 800-560-WFIL, 800-560-9345. Or you can email if that's easier. You want to type it out, Timmy D, T-I-M-M-Y-D at WFIL.com. Back with more in just a moment. AM560 WFIL. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 445 on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Thanks for tuning in today. Last night, a ball player for the Milwaukee Brewers got his first major league hit. I was at the game, talked to him afterwards. He painted a great picture about the grass being greener and the dirt being nicer and his parents being there. And what a culmination to a 15 or so year journey from Little League through college and the minors and all that to playing for the major league team. And he actually got a second hit later in the game. And I started thinking about, you know, that's quite a dedicated path. Not everything we do in life takes that long. And we don't always get there, right? Sometimes we aim for something. It doesn't quite happen. And that's certainly possible. But I thought it might be fun to hear stories or share stories of, of a path you took and a journey you took to whatever it might be. It could be something very simple and everyday, something short term. could be something longer term. I remember, I'll give you an example of, of, uh, of one of these things. Back in 1985, I went to something called Youth Congress in Washington, D.C. Uh, I think it was part of uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, but I'm not sure of it, the endeavor, what it was. Um, thousands of students were there, and I believe it was a week-long thing. It might have been five days. 
So there was uh, pre-planned stuff, things we went to, seminars and all that. But the last day, I believe it was, we were out in in the mall area, and uh, you know, in, in D.C. and we're encouraged to share our faith with anybody on the street. Like, pick one person, just walk around, you know, pray and and share your faith. And everybody was encouraged to do that. There are thousands of students, and we each had a Youth Congress Bible, it was like a paperback. And I think we were going to be able to give, you know, encourage to give it to the person as well, if if appropriate. Anyhow, I wound up going up to this guy, and his name was Charles. And I don't remember a lot about the conversation, except it was fairly simple. I I said something about, you know, we're here with this group, and just wondering if you'd be interested in talking about Jesus, and and if you'd be interested in, in knowing Him as your Lord. And uh, he said yes. And I'm thinking, wait. Yes, I'm anticipating someone either walking away or giving me kind of a, you know, I'm not really or okay, sure, I'll put up with you. But he said yes. And he went on to tell me that his grandmother had been sharing the gospel with him for a lot of time, a lot of years, had been praying for him. And we wound up having a very, you know, good brief time, prayed, uh, gave him the Bible. I got his phone number and, and kept with him t- in touch with him for a while. And that was something that, you know, that was that was a path I was on my whole life in a way. I grew up in a Christian home. One of the things I talk about, of course, is Jesus you know, died for the sins of the world. So he died for yours, but he also died for other people too. So part of what you want to do is share the good news with others as the Lord gives you opportunity. So at 17 years old, which is what I was back then, I remember thinking, wow, that was like closing the deal. The Lord allowed me to be front row, the person to help make it official. And uh, you may never have had that experience. I know people have had that experience many times, and sometimes I'm a little jealous of that. Like, man, that's pretty cool that you get to do that because that planting and watering stuff that we're called to do day by day, not a lot of glory in that. And it's not about the glory, but, you know, there's not, you like to see it come to fruition, you know? So anyhow, I remember that standing up very much, and that was part of a five, in a way, a 17-year path, but also like a five- or six-day path, part of this event that, we were, that our, our church had gone to and uh, I, I was certainly aware that the person's not guaranteed to accept the Lord, but we were encouraged, step out, don't be afraid, and talk to somebody, pick somebody out. Part of the fun of this story is I got back to our church and shared the story with our congregation as part of our report, and I'm, I'm relaying the story like I did to you. And this guy, Charles, uh, was 25 years old. And I remember sharing with our congregation how, you know, I went to this guy to talk to him, and he was uh, middle-aged, around 25. And my whole congreg- the whole congregation starts laughing. You know, keep in mind, I'm 17. And so to me, someone who's 25 was middle-aged. But I found out later why they were laughing. Like, you think 25 is middle-aged? So it was a fun moment, uh, you know, in, in the chance to share that with our congregation uh, after the fact. But anyhow, that's a little bit of uh, what I'm after here. If you want to share something that the Lord has allowed you to be part of, whatever it might be, 800-560-WFIL. Joe Harnett, the hardest working producer in Philadelphia radio. Between I didn't four do fi- it. I didn't do it. Yeah, oh, bet- I'm sorry. <laughs> between 450 and 45850, or 4 and 45850. <laughs> you, um, you have lived a lot of life and had a lot of experiences. I know you've done radio. you saying I'm old? <laughs> How how long have you done radio for? 1972. I was four. I was. I might Thank have you for still... joining us, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll be back later. I might have been sucking my thumb at the time. So tell me, Joe, anything yes. 
the first time you were on the air, or what? What, what story I, I, do you have? I have. Okay, I'm going to make this really fast. My first newscast. There's also another thing I, sh- I could tell you about, just about failure. Um, <laughs> oh, I like that my, one. My uh, my first newscast, you know, they say rip and read. And you, you know what rip and read is, right? You go into these these machines that have this paper spewing out of it from AP or UPI, right. and you rip the piece of paper off on this story, and you rip this paper and that paper, and you have them all in a row. You don't get a chance to read them, all right? <laughs> not not often, You don't get a no. chance to read them. This it's is my first. Those, those are the news services, AP, UPI, yes. back in the day. So, so, um, so I'm putting them all to, okay, I've got this one, and then I'll do this one. I have, I have to play a music bed before this. And first off, I'll be honest with you, I was never someone that read in class. If, if, the, if someone was calling on, okay, let's have so-and-so read a poem or read, I'm not that guy. I don't like being, I don't like standing up in front of people. I hate it. Okay. So, I've gotten so you, over it, but. You wouldn't volunteer. Who wants to ever. read? Ever. Okay. No. So, uh, you know, I start the music, and then I go into the newscast, and I know all my buddies are listening. It's Joe's first day on the air. He's going to do a 10 o'clock newscast, and all the guys are in the area. And you had you had trained. How would you train to do radio? Had you gone to a school? I went to uh, American Academy of Broadcasting, Long John Wade. Okay. And uh, he was the one that fired the shot into the, the ceiling of that building in a class, and they took him away. Wow. Yeah. Yikes. But so you had wanted, this is the path you were pursuing. and I mean, radio was intentionally something you wanted to get into. In a way. Okay. In a way. All right. So now you're finally doing this. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And I'm reading this newscast. And locally, there was from the Pennsylvania UPI or AP, it said that there was a major storm. And I knew it. There was a lot of, you know, major storm uh, in, the, in, in, in Westchester and surrounding areas. And that there was debris everywhere. Trees were down. <laughs> Trees were down. And, uh, and uh, you know, and here you are, you're reading. Meanwhile, your brain is back on that word, and it's saying, you know, I don't know what Debris is. <laughs> She's that girl who. Yes. <laughs> and her twin sister. So, uh, so yeah. I, uh, and then that, you know, I left it. Because you don't go over it, but the, the, that night when playing pinochle with all my friends, uh, uh, Joe, uh, we, uh, you know, Debris, it was debris, you know. And yeah, nice first job, first day on the air. First day, it was horrible. Debris, that's good. Well, on that note, as we land the plane for this program, I was thinking, there's a, there's always a first time that somebody wins something. So that's, I'm thinking, yeah, if you have never won something with WFIL. Do I count? Or? If you're a listener who doesn't work here, who has never won with us, give a call now, 800-560-WFIL. If you have won something before, you sit this one out. This is not an all-skate. 800-560-9345. Because I know people who say, oh, I would try, but I probably wouldn't get through. Or there are different reasons why. Or they have tried and haven't gotten through. Right now, if you call... We'll get you a gift card to Wawa, Duncan, or Rita's, courtesy of Brian Chevrolet in Jenkintown, 800-569-345. This could be your story you share. It's a small one, but you certainly know how to dial a phone and have done that in your lifetime. And this would be an opportunity for you to say, you know what? I did it, and now I won something. Woo-hoo! First, ex- first time experience doing that. We'll make a winner right now. WFIL, back in just a second. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL 
and WFIL.com. 457, let's make a winner. What's your name? Hello. Ricky Ashley. What's going on, Ricky? Where are you from? Uh, in Wallingford right now, on my way to pick up my daughter from her elementary school. Sweet. Have you ever you have, ever won with us before? No, I have not. Well, now That's you have. That's why I called. <laughs> now you have. Yep. Congratulations. Have you ever tried to win with WFIL before? No, I have not. I've never really been in the perfect position to call. And now you, now it's the sweet spot. So you can pick Duncan Wawa or Rita's. You choose. Any preference? I'll go with Rita's for the kids. That'll be nice. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Great. Well, Joe, will take your info. Thank you for listening. And uh, say hi to your kids for us. How old are your kids? Uh, 10 and 12, two girls. Okay, beautiful. What are their names? Marilyn and Josephine. Sweet. Well, say hi to them for us, and, and yeah. thanks again for listening. Thank you so much. I really enjoy the show. All right, appreciate it. Turn things over now to Jim Maxim, Acts 413 Ministries, Lead in Prayer next. Have a great night. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.